We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Niners laying the hammer down. The Chicago Bears won a football game. Plenty more drama on the way. Food for thought. We're back. For week five, I'm the Luch, Will Priester, Chief Justice 06. I know we got a lot to talk about today. What a weekend of action. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Um, I, I think this is going to be... This, this might be one of our best shows of the year to date. Because I think we caught a lot... And I do mean a lot of interesting things happened this week that uh, that I, I'm 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 ready to just oh I'm I'm ready to talk about this stuff this week. So uh, I'm gonna turn it back over to you to not get ahead of myself, but I, I'm very excited about this show. Well, if we can go back, Bears Commanders. Yeah, I want to start right there. Listen. So I I genuinely expected the commanders to win this game. The Bears defense has not been great and they weren't great in this game. They they were not like it was a tale of two halves for the commanders. The problem was they couldn't close the deal. The Bears were about to throw this game away at one point in the game by trying to get a little bit too conservative. Like you saw them start to just run Justin Fields on quarterback sweeps and quarterback power. 
And part of that, I think, is because, you know, Justin Herbert did leave the game. I understand that. But the Bears were getting a little bit too conservative, and we saw how march this team down twice and get some big scores. But they couldn't close the deal. They just they couldn't quite get there, and the Bears end up winning 40-20 in a game that was probably a little bit closer on paper than it was. DJ Moore catches a big touchdown pass late in this game when the score was maybe, what, 33-ish, 33 I guess, at some point. But so that's what happened. Um, I think this is this this one stings, I think, to me for the commanders because it, it was looking like they were kind of taking some type of a step forward with Howell. Um, I expected this offense to play better at home. Like they were at home, they weren't in Chicago, and they just looked abysmal in the first half, Luke. Second half, it was like night and day, but by then the game was out of hand. Or out of control in a relative sense. So um, I don't know what's going on in with, with the commanders, but uh, definitely a letdown for that city. Got to give kudos to the Bears. And I think for me, Lutz, to me, it's always been a week-to-week league in the NFL. But this season specifically, if you're not the 49ers or if you're not the Eagles – and I really want to lean more 49ers because that's the only team that seems to be beating everyone convincingly, mostly. Uh, the Eagles are kind of squeaking out these interesting wins. And when the Vikings did this last season, we were like, oh, they're frauds. But because it's the Eagles, we want to continue to say they're a good football team. I'm not saying they're a bad football team. I'm saying let's not be partial with these teams. Last season, the Eagles are winning like the Vikings did last season. Close games, down to the wire, and they just keep finding ways. But that's not sustainable in the end against the, the 49ers. Like, so to me, right now, I'm bringing this up. I know we're talking Bears commanders. I know I jumped around a bit. I'm going to make this a lot more concise. My point is there are these weird outcomes that keep happening every week this season. Every week a team that should win is going down. And we haven't really seen this in a, in a while, I think, where it feels like there's no real separation at talent. So I'm taking it back to the Bears commanders because I think we all genuinely felt like the commanders would win this game at home slightly convincingly, and they got blown out. So it's it's this has been the most week-to-week league in the NFL I've seen probably almost in all my years watching a couple of things I can piggyback off that I read a tweet and I don't, I don't know who to credit it to someone on my timeline. And then I accidentally hit the refresh button and I lost it. But uh, the favorites this year are almost exactly 500 against the spread. So, and, and don't get me much like you and much like our listeners are, are tracking line movement and where the money is and et cetera. But some of these games that feel felt trappy were not traps last week. The cream rose to the top. 49ers took care of business. We'll get there. The Eagles took care of business. That line was six and a half. And then the Rams, you know, had that overtime win last week. And the Eagles kind of snuck by and it got bet down to four and a half. I get it. Eagles on the road across the country. I'm willing to give them more credit going across the country against a talented team and winning by nine points. Nine points in the NFL is a good a considerable margin. The Giants were in a much tougher spot than the Bears heading into this week. 
missing their entire offensive line, and then Daniel Jones goes down. But I tell you what, it's not like Miami hung 50 on the Giants. That was a game at halftime. So even the Giants with zero competency up front with an injured Daniel Jones kind of hung in there, you know, and that line moved to like 12 and a half. Uh, You know, I kind of thought Miami would take care of business and they did, uh, but it wasn't like a 40 point, you know, ass kicking. Yeah. So so you're absolutely right. You know, people wanted to rate the Giants for dead. And even though the Giants, you know, got handled pretty well, like what do you want from them with no starters up front, basically playing and Daniel Jones out and unless subpar defense as it is, no Saquon Barkley again. You know, all things considered, the Giants at least went out there, made a big play on defense on the goal line, didn't hang their heads. Uh, you know, they showed up to play, and, you know, Miami ended up covering. But mm-hmm. the thing is, it wasn't like, wow, Miami by 50. A week-to-week league, there are adjustments. But that the Chicago game, and, and talking about the commanders, just from, like, a momentum standpoint, Maybe, you know, Washington took that Eagles team to the brink in overtime the previous week. And that division game, division game, division game. You have a young team. You know, you can argue that you can hang over a little bit from that game as much as uh, coming off of a high, you know, to lose in that fashion. You know, Jahan Dotson at the buzzer ties the game up against Philly. They end up losing. Uh, you can't tell me those players aren't going to think about that, you know, for more of the week with the Bears coming into town. Yeah. Uh, and they should have. So th- that was – and I know you do a lot of showdown, and, you know, you said you were excited for that one. And uh, I punched a KOTB next round ticket last week on that showdown with the Bears. So yeah. I was extremely interested in that game. And just to kind of circle back on – and generally what my process was, I did a couple hand builds. And I went with DJ Moore. I, I won with a 2-4 chief. I had DJ Moore at captain, Justin Fields, and then I had four commanders. I had Sam Howell, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel, and Gibson. So oh, so you had a great night. I nailed it. I, I, I nailed the game so much that you know that's a lineup where maybe you're wrong eight out of ten times, but the two times you're right. My pat, my story. We always talk about telling a story with our showdown lineups. Yeah, my story was well, you know, five and a half point spread. It's not like it's two touchdowns. Maybe the Bears come out with a lead. DJ Moore catches the first touchdown. Maybe it's a little negative of a game script. In my wildest imagination, I had no, I didn't pencil in DJ Moore nuking the entire slate. And Logan Thomas was just catching everything. You know, and for and I, I faded Brian Robinson right. I was like, you know what? More often times than not, it's a smash spot for Brian Robinson. No doubt. No doubt. But what if it's not? And he was way over owned. And as soon as I saw the sports book sending me push notifications, boosting his rushing totals and all this stuff, I'm like, oh, man, they want people to bet on Brian Robinson today. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was just it was funny the way it worked. But um, he got game scripted out, not to the effect of, Washington threw the ball, what, 53 straight times, the most times in over a decade. I, I wasn't calling that. I was I was not calling that. Yeah. But it's pretty funny the way it worked out. I just my thought was, you know, DJ Moore's the alpha here. If they play with a lead and it's not with the run game, it could be DJ Moore. Keep in mind, fresh off a game where we we both saw AJ Brown absolutely demolish his Washington secondary. And you know, suddenly they've given up. We'll 30- talk about AJ Brown later. Oh, we will. But that's a discussion. That's a real discussion point right now. All of a sudden, 
the commanders have given up 30 plus points in four of their five games. So now moving forward, receivers against the commanders are going to be a big thing. And I feel like I kind of beat that by a week. Yeah. It's not a secret anymore. The cat's out of the bag. But yeah. that was, you know, it, it felt good because, and, and it's probably relatable. And when you're playing DFS and the rake is so high and the ROI is so bad, you know, to finally just absolutely nail something this season felt really good. You know, I've had a couple of close calls, but, uh, and I, I've definitely been uh, personally uh, like catering my bankroll more towards sports betting because, you know, we've had so much success uh, at scores and eyes in the prop game and things like that. So, yeah, I proportion it and I, you know, I, I took a couple shots and, you know, my other two lineups, I, I was playing the past game. I had Terry McLaurin, a captain and Jahan Dotson on my other uh, captain team. I, I don't know what's going on schematically or why they're not getting peppered with more targets, but with uh, the salary being a thing, that's kind of what led me to Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel in the same lineup. If I would have went with Jahan Dotson on that team, I would have had a punt uh, St. Brown uh, or someone I just was a little less uncomfortable playing. So, you know, of course, you get a little lucky. But, you know, when when your, when your lineup tells a story, you know, you have to get a little bit lucky in this game when you play. So, felt good. We'll see, man. Round two, King of the Beach in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, I can get in that top 75 and, and make some noise. But uh, I'm with you. You know, a lot of the things that, that we talked about, uh, I think Washington will be competitive all year. But I think that defense is going to be an issue for sure. As for as for Chicago, as for Chicago, who knows what we'd be talking about if they lost that game, right? And 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 now, I mean, Justin Fields, as porous as Washington looked, he looked damn good in that first half, Chief. So it's just another weekend where you, you look at Justin Fields and then you watch USC every Saturday and see Caleb Williams doing Mahomes-esque type stuff at USC, and you yeah. start to think, uh, you know, these coaches are playing for their jobs too, so the really unique situation with, with Caleb Williams being the best quarterback prospect uh, allegedly that we've seen in a while. And some of these teams that uh, keep losing or maybe squeak a win or two out here. So fun Thursday game. I'll pass it over to you. I mean, we saw, I don't know if you want to go a little chronologically well, here. What can I, can, I want to, I want to talk about something overarching. Cause, Cause I think, I think the theme of this show might be it's a week to week lead for what it's worth. So here's what we saw this week, Luke. And I'm gonna, I am gonna go chronologically, but whether they were favorites or not favorites, there are certain teams that I think we expected to win this week, and they just didn't get it done. Now, you mentioned something last week on the pod about maybe the Bills flying into England and having some problems, and the Jaguars already being there. And so, but the Bills are supposed to be a better team than the Jaguars. They're supposed to win this game, period. And they didn't get shellacked, uh, or, or in my opinion, they kind of got shellacked. The score doesn't reflect it. But the, the Jaguars were just a better team that day. We didn't. I, I didn't honestly expect the Bills to lose this game. They lose 25-20. Um, I did expect this team to lose. I didn't expect them to lose in this fashion. The Patriots might be the worst team in the NFL. That's saying something. They lose 34-0. They lose, I don't know, 32-6 or something last week. And it's probably going to come again. Like to New so, Orleans. No offense to New Orleans. But, but yeah. New Orleans, you know, not a juggernaut. Not, right. not a terrible team, not a juggernaut. Right. So th that's my point. So it's not like I expect the Patriots to win this game. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they lost 34 to zero. They generated zero points in an NFL game and barely generated points last week. This is getting interesting. Uh, something to keep your eye on. The Titans. Good God, man. Can you call up that front office 
and figure something out for them? How in the world did they lose to the Colts with this type of performance from DeAndre Hopkins? I, I was flabbergasted. I said, wait a minute. Nuke goes nuke, and they lose. This is incredible. The Steelers beat the Ravens. What in the world? They should not have lost to the Ravens. I mean, I mean, should, should not have beat the Ravens. This one I think was borderline. This one was borderline, okay? Hear me out. Hear me out. I thought the Texans were going to beat the Falcons for all intents and purposes. I think the Texans have been a better football team. Look, they hung tight. They kicked a lot of field goals to just hang around in that game. I think what I'm saying in this game is they weren't favorites. Miami was the favorite. They just couldn't get in the end zone when they needed it. And that's what happened in this game. Texas is still a really good football team. Expect the Panthers to lose, but they really got just destroyed. 42 to 24 is actually a little bit too close. Like the Lions essentially destroyed the Panthers. You got the Eagles who snuck by-ish on the Rams. And you got the Chiefs who kind of snuck by with the Vikings and their bad play call. And they didn't have enough timeouts late in the game. So the Vikings couldn't even really put together a quality drive. I expected the Jets to beat the Broncos. But Russell Wilson, the game was close. Russell Wilson has one really bad mistake, and it cost him. And all of a sudden, instead of it being, you know, 21 to, you know, 24 or 23 or whatever it was, 21-24, they lose the game because of a turnover. My point is the big one, the overarching ones, the big ones. The Ravens can't lose to the Steelers. The Titans can't lose to the Colts. And the Bills can't lose to the Jaguars. Like this, so so we're not getting real separation in the league right now. The Steelers are leading the division. This is what I'm talking about. We're not getting real separation from the teams that are supposed to be good. The Ravens are supposed to be one of the better teams in this division. For me, along with Cleveland, I have Cleveland as the best team in this division, TBD. But the Bills aren't getting any separation. You, you see them not real separation. The Jets just won another game, and the Jets beat them uh, 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 the first game of the season. So, so no real separation is happening in any of these divisions outside of the Eagles are leading by default because Washington can't close. The Giants are terrible, and Dallas are the Cowboys are frauds. And then the 49ers are just going to run away with their division at this point. That's it. It's up for grabs in the NFL in every division right now. This is insane. We're just five weeks in. I know I'm probably a little bit excited. But my point is, Luke, week to week, I think they're gonna be there's gonna be even some more controversy as we get through the season. If the Lions don't blow a game, they're undefeated. They're probably the next closest team to being able to clinch a division. Uh, comfortably if they keep winning games. This is insane. Luch, I'm going to shut up. Back over to you. How many drops? Poor Lamar. How many drops? They should have won that game. Eight drops to be exact. There were eight drops, three touchdown drops to be exact. One from Mark Andrews, one from Bateman, one from Nelson Aguilar. Three touchdown drops. And guess what? Two of them were on the same drive. Two. The Bateman-Andrews occurred in the same drive. Okay. All right. Sorry. I cut you off. Please forgive me. No, Oops, you're right. Ahead. And Rashad Bateman was horrendous. 
on top of his horrendous play and his drives, has been battling injuries the last two years. Odell Beckham, he's still playing banged up. I saw him catch a slant over the middle and then do one of these, wave to the sideline. I oh, got yeah, yeah, yeah. Suts and J.K. Dobbins out of the picture. Suddenly, Lamar Jackson has next to nobody. Zay Flowers is incredible as a rookie, but he's a rookie. And you have Mark Andrews. You know, it's not like he's going to stretch the field. He's typically reliable. But outside of that, you know, Lamar is going to have to take more of a shoulder of this offensive production. And you tie in the, the lack of available healthy options with a bunch of miscues on offense. And both defenses in this game played pretty damn well. You just can't keep giving anybody in the NFL two or three extra opportunities. That's what happened with Tennessee. That's what happened with Baltimore. And Buffalo just straight up was jet lagged a little bit, I think. Buffalo over there in in England. And, of course, they just took, speaking of being healthy, a shellacking uh, of defensive players hurt in that game. Matt Milano. Yeah, Matt Milano's out. Yeah, yep. So there's just some things you can't control, but there certainly are a lot that you can. And those teams, you know, they didn't take care of business. Um, you can say what you want about the defensive injuries in Buffalo. The offense was uh, stagnant and underwhelming in the first half over there in England. Uh, Tennessee, I think, had four defensive pass interference calls, and three of them were on third and longs. So, you know, they kept a couple of uh, Gardner Minshew drives alive. And, yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill was dealing. DeAndre Hopkins had a game. That was Tannehill's best game this season. And they got in the red zone and kicked field goals all game. Couldn't convert in the red zone. So red zone offense, drop passes, uh, and some injuries for a couple of teams kind of, you know, snowballed into some losses there. And uh, a tough loss for Denver because, you know, casuals and, and outsiders as well, you lost to the New York Jets. But the New York Jets defense is good. Like you said, there's no margin forever there. And he played a fantastic game, all things considered. The defense let him down yet again. Historically, Denver has the worst DVOA ever recorded through (laughs) through five weeks of any regular season. Once again, and I I keep saying this, and it's crazy. Russell Wilson is not actually playing bad this season. We've talked about this, Luke. He's been playing fine. I saw flashes of... You know, young Russell Wilson yesterday in one of their touchdown drives where he's running around, everything's broken down. He's in the middle of the field juking guys, running past people. I mean, he's he's had pretty good decision-making overall. Yesterday, he just had one really bad mistake at the end of the game, and it cost them big time. But, Russ, this, the offense has been fine every game. Like, as much as we're saying the Jets are good, the Broncos still scored three touchdowns here. Like, as you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're fine. The, 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 the problem is this defense, and we didn't get enough. Obviously, I was in on Zach Wilson and uh, and uh, and Garrett Wilson, and Brees Hall just, you know, destroyed this team, destroyed the slate as well. So Zach Wilson didn't have to do as much as I thought he would. Um But in a game where he didn't have to do much, he still had about 200 yards passing. And he didn't even have to do anything. That tells you how bad this defense is in Denver. It's so bad. I'm shocked. This was supposed to be a strength of this football team for the past two seasons. And uh, 
second half of last season, we you know we started to see a little bit of this, and now it seems like things are unraveling. And when are we going to stop giving Sean Payton passes? I mean, he won a Super Bowl in in two thousand what nine uh, or whatever it was, and and suddenly that's a really long time ago. And now I feel really old, but that's almost fifteen years ago. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be on the hot seat. That sounds ridiculous, but he's done nothing. Nothing. And it's a little little terrifying. If I were him, I'd be a little nervous. I would. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. 100%. You know what would, be, what would be scary? Nope. I don't think anybody penciled this in. What if New England is the worst team in football and Lance Caleb Williams? That, so, so go, go, no, go ahead. If you've got, I've got a thought, but I'm going to let you finish your thought, please. They're not inept. Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, the organization, they know who's in that division and for how long. You have healthy Tua with Tyreek and a young, up-and-coming coach who's in with the in, you know, new type of play calling. You have Josh Allen. He's not going anywhere. And as long as he's in that division – the Bills always have 10-1 upside. Uh-huh. And you have the Jets. I don't know what the Jets are going to be, but if Aaron Rodgers plays football next year and you keep that defense intact, there is a large gap between the Patriots and everybody else in that division. So here's what I think. I think if Caleb Williams ends up anywhere near the Patriots organization, he better pray that they get him some help. Because you don't want your young, talented, big-arm, athletic quarterback out here with, like, limited weapons. Like, they're going to have to do something, right? Like, I don't think they need to fix their running back room, to be honest with you. I think Ramondre and Zeke being there would be fine. Definitely he will need Zeke in pass protection. But they're going to have to go and get a guy. And I mean a real guy, an alpha receiver that he can rely on. And then they're going to have to draft someone else that is going to be good enough for them. Like, I don't, Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't going to be there unless they make a trade. But, like, they're going to need someone or s- some people. Let me say that. He's going to need help. Like, I think Kendrick Bourne's a talented guy that they could keep, but he shouldn't be your number one receiver. Devontae Parker is not anything near number one receiver anymore. Like, let's go get a guy. Like, we've talked about this, right? When the team wants to go all in on their young quarterback, what do they do? They go and get a guy. The Eagles went and got A.J. Brown. The Bills went and got Stephon Diggs. Uh, the Bears, for all intents and purposes, went and got D.J. Moore, and they're starting to see the effects of that, right? Like, uh, uh, check this out. Hear me out here. When Patrick Mahomes was in more of his youth, he had Tyreek Hill. Now, yes, he had Travis Kelsey, but Tyreek Hill was the game changer. He had a guy, right? He had some guy. Now, Patrick Mahomes has flourished, and he's grown, and Tyreek is not there, and he's been in the system. He's a more mature quarterback. But when he was younger, he had more weapons, right? Having an, I agree. Having an elite tight end is, is amazing. But I feel like oftentimes it's a luxury. I mean, Mark Andrews is fantastic too. But Lamar had zero help. Nobody that can win on the outside for how long? You, right. you know, you, you made the you could make the same. I mean, then again, 
you know, Mahomes did his thing without Tyreek and a bunch of. Uh, but he was still young. He was still more mature. But at that point, he had already won a Super Bowl. You're right. We, we talk. We talk about this quite often. Uh, Stephon Diggs goes to Buffalo, right? Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill goes to Miami for Tua. But, right. Um, that, right. That's a game. And yeah, they drafted Waddle, but Tyreek is the more experienced, the guy. Waddle's the sidekick. The Bears bring it all up. The Bears bring in DJ Moore. Uh, right. The, the Giants bring in Darren Waller, although he's a tight end. I, they don't have anybody that's winning on the outside. So right. I, I, and I mean, I'm saying for it, young quarterbacks, that's really right. what this is about. This isn't for Tom Brady. This isn't for Drew Brees. Hey, guess what? Joe Burrow got the same treatment. Now they did theirs in the draft, but they went and got the weapons. Joe Burrow comes in. They make. They get Jamar Chase. They've got Tyler Boyd. They've got T Higgins. They got in the weapons. Once again, they did theirs in the draft, but they did it. They got in the weapons. Who in the world has Matt Jones been able to throw to since he's been there? No one. I agree. Uh, you you, you, you got to have weapons. You, you have to have – and Lamar, good God, he got it done with no weapons, but he's a different type of quarterback. So for everyone that wants to write off Lamar and talk about, oh, he, you know, whatever, he deserves that money. He got it done with no help. He had Mark Andrews and a bunch of scrubs. Yep. So that was a lot, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, it's true. And, and from Wilson, a, why is Zach Wilson going to continue to get better? He's got help. He's got Brees Hall. He's got um, uh, Cook. He's got Dalvin. He's got Garrett Wilson. He's got, He's got Garrett got Wilson. Other veteran He's got receivers. Alan Laz- right, Lazar. He's got – and now he has Aaron Rodgers to kind of talk him through. And um, he, he's got enough. He's got enough help on the offensive side to get him through. Michael Carter's still there. He, he's another good pass-catching running back. He can rely – like, like you got to get these young guys help. C.J. Stroud. Now, Stroud is getting it done in a different fashion. They went out and got Dalton Schultz, who's a pretty good tight end. Tank Dell is the field. Tank Dell is the field stretcher. Nico Collins is kind of like the semi-volume guy, and Robert Woods is the, the the elderly state, the elder statesman. Like, you know, what I'm saying he's got enough help to make this work. But look in New England, it's like, what is this? You could go out and get some high school wide receivers right now. No, no, I'm not going to say that because I don't like to compare high school players to NFL talent because it's night and day. But you could go down to college right now and pull in some of these guys right now, and he'd have more help. I'm t- There's a guy right now by the name of Malachi Corley playing at Western Kentucky University. He could come in and be the number one receiver on this team. If you don't know who Malachi Corley is, look him up, right? He's not grab a, a couple, grab a couple guys from Corley. Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> What's that? You can grab a couple guys from Bishop Sycamore and bring them in uh, to New England. Please, that, that's what I'm that, saying. Like about that on. scandal. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you you go ahead, Lucha. I'm done with that rant. Done with that rant. I, I just just switching gears and, and looking back at this week, uh, the the chalk the chalk a lot of the right plays hit the chalk and from a DFS perspective the chalk hit. Um, you know, that mid-range tier of running backs, they're all in really good spots. And 
Uh, a chain was uh, high, very highly owned in DFS and he had limited work, but he still smashed. And the, I think the bottom line is he's getting goal line work and he's getting third down work. So in that offense, uh, you know, individual player ownership matters much less than I think a lot of people think it does. Like it's, it's the lineup collectively. Cool. Like if you think a chain is going to smash and he's 30%, then you play him then you you get a little bit different elsewhere. Like, don't avoid playing who you think are the best plays just because of ownership. If that's your conviction, you should go for it. There were plenty of ways to get different. I, I think the miss, the biggest miss by the field yesterday, for for those who were very high on Detroit, ju, uh, when um, St. St. Brown uh, was inactive and so was Jameer Gibbs, Josh Reynolds started uh, gathering some steam, Sam Laporta, what whoa what talk about rookie tight ends he's awesome uh started gaining some steam as well you know people were even talking Khalif Raymond and whatever um if these ownerships are going to carry you know these players are going to carry 10 15 20 percent ownership and then Laporta was pretty popular as well why Jared Goff was only like four percent and he absolutely turned the slate on his head even had a rushing touchdown come on um so I think the biggest miss was you know, everyone playing these Lions value pieces and, and then Laporta, whose role would you think would be enhanced without St. Brown and Gibbs. And just, just a bad Carolina team. Yes. And, and just abandoning Jared Goff in their bills, you know, because I get it. It's unpleasant to think about. But when you think of, well, if these receivers are in a good spot, I know they're cheap. Uh, you know, you got to factor in some Jared Goff. And I only handled seven teams, I think I had. So Jared Goff didn't make the cut for me. I'll, I'll be right up front. Jared but, Goff plays much better at home right now, anyway. So, like, it was a great play. Great play. Go ahead and check out Ticketmaster. More ways to find your perfect seat. Again, give you an interactive seat map with a 360 degree preview. You don't want to be stuck behind one of those pillars in the stadium. A lot of flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets if something comes up. And, of course, the mobile tickets are the easiest way to get into the game. You don't want to lose the hard copy stubs if you're tailgating a little bit before you get in there. Get those e-tickets. Ticketmaster, easy, accessible. Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Yeah, I mean, kudos to the Lions. Uh, before before we start shifting gears, we'll look ahead. We'll talk about a little bit of everything, some big matchups, some DFS, some, some lines that are out. Uh, <clears throat> how does it feel? How does it make you feel as a Panthers fan? Like, seeing DJ Moore... You know, and then they come out and there's rumors saying they wanted a number one receiver. And we talk about organizations bringing in these high caliber guys to to help out their young quarterbacks. Like, was, was Mingo enough? It, Let, let's pause there. Let, let's Go pause ahead. there. Go ahead. I want to. I just want to hear your thoughts because with the way the trades broke out, I didn't even know if that, like, made sense with, you know, when DJ Moore was in the shuffle and, you know, having Bryce Young at number one. Could, could have that even been possible to – you know, to construct Bryce Young as a Panther, like. So let's talk through this whole scenario. Because the Panthers, we're just not explosive. Like we're just, we haven't been explosive and explosive offense in God years, like since the Cam Newton heyday. Like when Cam was there, we were semi-explosive at certain points. Um, and I'm saying this because I think it's important. 
We lost our two most explosive pieces because we were ready to do a rebuild. And 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 look, if those guys were ready to leave, I don't I I get it. Like you don't want to be in an organization just you know wilting away your talents. We lost DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Now I want everybody to sit back and think about this. We had DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey on that team. And now we, you know, we've seen that if, if the Bears are going to get DJ Moore involved, like it's going to get ugly. Like they're going to have to really try to fight. Like they're going to start trying to neutralize DJ Moore at some point. If it, they're not just going to let him just pop off for one fifty a game, I don't, I don't see that. Christian McCaffrey, and I think, I think as a Panthers fan, we were, we were most happy to see him go. The man gets to go to the 49ers and win. Now, they didn't get to the Super Bowl because all their quarterbacks were hurt. But Christian McCaffrey is probably in the best situation he could have ever been in in his life in the NFL. But we had both of those pieces on the Carolina Panthers at the same time. If you don't think coaching matters, just look at Christian McCaffrey winning football games in San Francisco and look at him in Carolina putting up huge games and losing. DJ Moore still isn't really winning anything, but he got out of Carolina. It's ugly, man. Like, when you see those two guys popping off and and we had them both in the organization, it's just like we couldn't figure something out here. Like, we we imagine, and this this, this is going to tell you how disappointed I am in this. And I'm saying this wholeheartedly, Luke. As much as you know, I've given this guy a hard time. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers came to Carolina with McCaffrey and DJ Moore. We would be a better football team. Because he's not going to turn the ball over and those guys are going to get off. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've seen this. It, it, it's it's what he does. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tough it has to be tough uh, from a GM standpoint with a team that hasn't been winning and you have a couple of good players in this day and age where any young star player has more leverage than than, than they did 10 years ago when asking their way out of situations. It's, it's a little bit, in my opinion, it's a little ridiculous in every sport. The NBA, clearly. I mean, look at Anthony Davis, James Harden. You player XYZ that demands trades, and they get out of multiple situations. There's no honor in any contract anymore. They'll just, you know, it's just in the back of your mind, you got to wonder, are these guys, were there talks behind closed doors? Have these guys ever threatened to sit out games? You have to wonder. And then, and then it's like, okay, well, if they're really not going to play for me, can I get any value back in return? But from devil's advocate, if you nail one draft, you can be – very much so more competitive in a weak division in one year. If you if you get a couple of pieces and nail a couple, you know, then you're adding somebody onto DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, and you have a little bit of an offense there. Here's the thing. And I'm saying this because I'm not the GM. I, you know, I think the Chicago Bears did what they felt like they should have done. Um you know, to kind of make their organization better. If I'm not mistaken, um, 
Carolina was going to be nine, eight or nine, or however it was going to shake out when they, if they would not have traded up and traded DJ and traded some picks and so forth and so on. We're still looking like we're not going to win many games. If you don't think Caleb Williams is better than Bryce Young, then I don't know what to tell you. Wouldn't that be something? Right? So so now, as an organization, and then, I, then we can move on to other stuff, because we've committed to Bryce Young, the Panthers don't want to look like idiots in this draft and then go draft Bryce uh, uh, Caleb Williams. They're not going to do that. Right? So we're gonna, we're, we're handcuffed to Bryce Young. We could have just stayed back, kept DJ Moore. We still could have brought Andy Dalton in and probably would have won a few more football games. And we could have drafted it. Well, I guess we would have probably gotten to Caleb Williams. But my point is, if we're going to be bad and draft in just an okay quarterback, let's go get a generational talent quarterback the next year. Let's just continue to be bad, right? We got a new coach. They're going to give him some time. Come on, man. Caleb Williams is more explosive than Bryce Young. I don't have anything against Bryce Young either. I think Bryce Young is a smarter quarterback, and I think he's going to show up as a smart, smarter quarterback if he has the time. But it's such a what have you done for me lately league. These rookie quarterbacks don't get a lot of time. I don't think Caleb Williams is like the rare exception where you would double down, take this guy one overall through the Panthers. And you know what? Some people would be like, I get it. It's a it's a big ballsy move. Don't get me wrong. You're going to piss a lot of people off in the Bryce Young camp for sure. But Caleb Williams doesn't come around once every three years, every five years. You know, his skill set. I mean, he just – I can't say he's Patrick Mahomes, but his his mannerisms on the field and the, the angles he creates and the things yeah. he's able to do is like, – it's look, it's look, I, I know it's Anthony special. Richardson. I know Anthony Richardson kind of got hurt again in this past game. But if he stays healthy, if he can figure out a way to improve his health, improve his his, his long term injury concerns, the coach swung for the fences. And I think they got exactly what they wanted a huge, athletic, strong quarterback that they could figure it out with. They didn't play it safe and take Will Levis, who's going to sit in Tennessee and do nothing or how like you see what I'm saying they swung for the fences everybody's like oh my god they took him at four how often does Cam Newton get drafted not often you get what I'm saying like it's you're not going to get Cam Newton you're not going to get Patrick Mahomes you're not going to get Peyton Manning you're not going to get Dan Marino you're not going to get those types of guys every year when they come you scoop them up and you try to make their life as easy as possible or their career as best as it can be by giving them the supporting pieces that they need to be successful. I'm true. True or false. And then we will move on. This is fun. True or false. If you add Caleb Williams to the Carolina Panthers team right now, they're the best team in that division. False. Is it close? Close. He needs more weapons. Right. So here's the thing. If you look at that division right now, who has all the weapons? You can you can think it's Atlanta. It is not. I'm not. Everybody's on the Atlanta hype train. They're not winning this division. Who has all the weapons in this division? It's the Saints and it's the Buccaneers. 
They have all the weapons. When you've got Mike Evans, a bona fide uh, wide receiver, you've got Chris Godwin, and you've got some other guys that you can sprinkle in like Cade Otten, and you've got you know uh, uh, a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield, and then you go over to New Orleans. He's got Shahid. He's got Michael Thomas. He's got Chris Olave. He's got Kamara back. He's got Jawan Johnson. He's got a Swiss Army knife in uh, uh, Taysom Hill. Like, they have all the weapons. So that's the thing. When I look at Atlanta, yeah, they got um, uh, John U. Smith and they got, um, you know, Mac Hollins and they got Drake London and they got Bijan and uh, God, what's, what's the uh, tight end that they never use? Kyle Pitts. They've got Kyle Pitts, but their offense doesn't use those guys like that consistently. Like, I mean, Desmond Ritter threw for, I think, over 300 yesterday. But they still only had 21 points to show for it. Like, you see what I'm saying? Now, if you took Caleb Caleb Williams to Atlanta, they're they're like probably – they're the division team. Because because that offense looks totally different now. Totally different. For those who listened to last week's podcast, we ran through the catchable target numbers – uh, and Kyle Pitts and Drake London out of like, I don't remember what it was, 130 qualified receivers and tight ends ranked in the bottom 10 of catchable targets. So uh, Pitts finally had over 70 yards. It's going to snow. So good for him. Desmond Ritter finally getting his guys the ball a little bit. Anyway, moving on, we got two teams in London who need a win coming off some again. bad losses. And Tennessee is three and a half point dogs. The line moves from five and a half to three and a half. And listen, I this is the same Titans team. You don't know what you're getting from week to week. It was the same thing the last two years. You know, you can go as far back as beating the Bills on Monday night football at home. You know, week one, they go out there, probably should have beat the Saints to get four picks from Tannehill. They get a controversial non-fumble with Derek Carr. They lose the game. They go out, they beat one of the Super Bowl darlings in a shootout. And the Titans score 27 points on the Chargers. I'm saying preseason uh, and Super Bowl darlings anyway. And they beat the Chargers. Come back, get absolutely schlacked by the Browns, get bullied up front, put up a field goal. What do they do next? Absolutely just pulverize the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow. And maybe Joe Burrow wasn't right, but that was only eight days ago now. And he looked damn good against the Cardinals. And Jamar Chase went nuclear. And they get a pretty convincing win in a three-point spread against a formidable Cardinals team, which I saw a lot of people touting the Cardinals on Sunday, that's for sure. But, but, but let's talk through that. The Cardinals played fine outside of Josh Dobbs and these turnovers. Just seriously. It, it, look, it was 34. They won. The Bengals won 34 to 20. And part of that was the Cardinals – bad decision-making by Dobbs with, with these weird turnovers. Like, the Cardinals were in this game, if you if you watch the game. They were in it, and similarly to the Broncos, they threw it away a couple times late. And But look, that's not to take away from Jamar Chase's ridiculous game. But, you know, but, we, but once again, we're not expecting the Cardinals to win a bunch of games. We look at that roster, we're not like, oh, yep. Yeah. They play really hard, though. If other teams – use this model and just got their guys to play harder, buy into what the culture, they'd probably be in a few more games as well. Let me look at this game with you, Chief, real quick. 
I know we can't spend the whole show on the London game, but we mentioned all the miscues by Baltimore. They should have had more points on the board. It happens. You know, tons of drops. Tennessee moved the ball. I mean, Tannehill looked great. Moved the ball against Indy, but they settled for uh, X amount of field goals. They just missed a DeAndre Hopkins, a Derrick Henry to the Hopkins touchdown pass by a toe. Uh, and A, they would have won the game, most likely. Uh, and B, they settled for three there, too. I, I know I, I wrote an article for Sports Handle last week. I took the under in that Bills-Jags game, and, you know, that played out perfectly. I know what I said. And you look at these two teams. They left a lot of points on the board last week. They can both score. Both have some issues uh, in the secondary. And this lo- this total opened up at 45.5. It's bet all the way down to 39.5 on BetMGM right now. And and I know I know I know what everyone's saying. Oh well, you know we talked about London and the jet lag and the team struggling. Thirty nine and a half is really low, you know. And you know you get Derrick Henry going. DeAndre Hopkins look good. Um, you know you can say what you want about the Ravens defense, and and I don't doubt they're formidable. But Pittsburgh's had so many issues this season, you know. So I, I can't really gauge Baltimore against Pittsburgh. 39 and a half seems low after being bet down six points from an open. Um, and I think we're getting a little, what have you done for me lately? Recency bias money coming in on hitting that under, you know, 21, 20 hits this over. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. Uh, you know, that Titan secondary had a lot of issues. Christian Fulton, uh, for those of you that really follow you know, defensive players in the side of the ball was a top 15 PFF corner last year. And he, he single-handedly got abused and, and lost that game for, for Tennessee yesterday. So um, I think it's a good, a, an interesting matchup to get over 39 and a half. We talked about the Ravens struggles to win on the outside. Well, that's what, that's the weakness of Tennessee. So as much as we talked unders, I think that 39 and a half ju- just might be a tick too low when you have Lamar Jackson on one side, you know, and DeAndre Hopkins kind of gelling a little bit on the other side. I, I'm kind of feeling 21 20 at worst. That's the, I'm actually going to write that pick up. I'm taking the over in this one. I, I couldn't tell you who wins this game right now, man. Yeah, I, I can't I, either. I, I don't know who's going to win this game. It, it, it's very baffling. I, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't mind that calling me over. I'm going to go back to Thursday night. Uh, Chiefs should just absolutely destroy the Broncos here at home. Um, so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and p- bypass that one. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Ravens Titans have no clue. What I do know is the Dolphins might actually put up 40 this week. My God, they're playing the Panthers and the Dolphins are at home. Listen, folks, the Panthers are awful. They are awful. This is another week where Tua, Tyreek, Waddle, this crew, God, man, Akani, Devin Akani, or Kane. God, I, I can't remember. H-A-Chan, H-A-Chan, that's it. Gosh, Devin H-A-Chan. This exploded yesterday. Um, they still got most of there. We'll see what happens. But like I'm just going through games that I feel like are just going to be kind of blowouts here. Uh, that's going to be a blowout. Uh, Raiders-Patriots right now to me is going to be a blowout. I, I, I don't see how the Patriots right the ship against the Raiders unless just a miracle happens. The game of the week that I'm most looking forward to, Luke, believe it or not, it is not the Bears-Vikings, which should be, I mean, a shootout of all shootouts. Luch, my game of the week is the Buccaneers-Lions. This is actually a sneaky game that could really kind of 
give either of these teams a little more separation. This should be a tough game on both sides. Listen, I got to give it to Baker Mayfield. He's playing great this season. Look what happens when you get a competent offensive coordinator. Wow. Uh, Seriously. Yeah, he's playing great. Um, And then you got the Lions coming to town. We're going to get Jared Goff outside of, you know, the Dome. And so we'll see. But the Lions have been fine. I'm actually most looking forward to uh, this particular game because, once again, man, the Giants are going to the Bills. This is that's going to be a thrashing. Okay, um, I think I think the big time game of the week in terms of scoring is probably um, Bears Vikings, and then the Raiders should be able to put up some points on the Patriots. The Raiders are at home, uh, but for me, my game of the week from a from a real life NFL, just show me what you got. Let's see what we got here. Lions Buccaneers. I, I really want to sit down and watch that one. Backtracking to your Miami Carolina game, a chain seventy four hundred on DK, second highest priced running back on the main slate. I don't know if that's going to d- d- deter people from playing him, but in what should be an extreme script, uh, the running back touches were thirty two for Mostert and twenty six for a chain. I mean snap count. I'm sorry, snap count last week. 32 snaps for Mostert, 26 for a chain, and what should be a very positive game script. I'm gonna, if I'm building multiple teams, I'm going to have him in my builds. I, I don't, you know, even if he's pushing 8,500 at this point, he's been so explosive. And correct me if I'm wrong, I know the numbers say it, even just maybe the eye test you can give me, the Panthers are much worse against the run than the pass. Is that accurate? Correct. But they're bad all around. It, it doesn't matter. They're just bad. They're bad. I, I mean, seventy four hundred. Do, do you care what his price is at this point? As long as it's not like you know McCaffrey zone. Like this week in this matchup, do you have to think about? I mean, well, well look, he's not going to keep rattling off forty and fifty yard runs, but it's definitely possible. So I don't know. Did you see his big touchdown run yesterday? Did he look like he was actually running? No. It looked like he jogged all the way to – like he just – my listen, man, Miami – I got to give it to Miami, right? Let, let me – I'm going to stop. We're almost done with the show, I know. I got to say this, Luch. Miami has I, – I think they're going to start doing – I think they're doing things that the league is going to try to duplicate. They're saying, look, let's go out and get skill positions. But let's go get speed. Let's go get speed, Luch. Now, look, these guys can catch. Don't get me wrong. But why Why is Tyree – to me, Tyree's so much better in Miami than he was in Kansas City. Why is that? Well, if you think you're going to cover up Tyreek, you're wrong because then Jalen Waddle's just going to do the same thing. If you think you're going to cover him up, they'll just roll Raheem Mostert out of the backfield and make him a receiver. Well, he's fast too, you know. And then for all intents and purposes, now they've got HM. So he's also one of the fastest guys in the league. And you're looking around at this team and you're saying, well, who do we try to stop today? And guess what, Luch? When they're all all on the field, the answer is no one. You can't stop any of them. Now, I know that 
Buffalo did their thing. I know they lost in Buffalo. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the team is unbeatable. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's very hard to slow down four weapons built on speed at the same time when they're all in the game together. It's tough. And, you know, the Panthers are going to have their hands full this week. I credit them for having conviction behind using draft capital and believing this guy will be such a different maker. It's a team come in with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, two pros, two guys that can complement each other well. And to to use draft capital, a decent draft capital on a guy like this, when there are certainly other positions, you know, that that uh, Miami has a need for uh, is awesome. And I, I, I don't know what his ownership's going to come in at. Yes, in theory, do I want to pay 7400 for a guy that's playing, you know, 50% of the snaps in his position? No. But in this game script uh, and the matchup and his just, you know, late-breaking speed, uh, ability to hit that 70-yard, you know, home splash play, like, I'm in. I'm not going to n- exclude him. I don't care who says it's a bad play. Yeah, it it seems like a bad play, but he has special speed and a special offense in the best matchup on the board. I'm going to have him in my builds. I, I don't care. <laughs> get, yeah. get, I'll take some. Yeah, sure. I, listen, I'm with you, man. I'm with you 100%. I mean, I like it. I like it. it. Me like it. A lot of good divisional games, uh, too. Just a, a, a sneaky competitive slate um jaguars colts i I mean two teams coming off massive wins jacksonville coming back from their two-week vacation in the uk colts coming off a huge win and and gardner Minshew is the best quarter backup quarterback in the nfl it's Uh, i I beg to differ i beg to differ but i understand he's one of the the game i said there's no way the titans win this game no way no way they, 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 they prepped all week for Richardson, you know, with their kind of their, their fake pass rush kind of thing and to contain him. And Minshew came in and took the five, six, 10-yard plays. Tennessee didn't tackle, uh, and he did his thing. I'm really interested in this Jaguars-Colts game because the Tennessee loss and the Jaguars win over Buffalo gives Jacksonville such a leg up to win this division. And if they beat the Colts this Sunday, I think that puts them – that gives them a little bit of separation in that division. We just talked about how there's really no separation in the NFL outside of uh, the Eagles and the Niners. It could be Jacksonville as kind of that, you know, third most separation with a win over Indianapolis. I This should be a fun one, man. Yeah, absolutely. And as we were talking, uh, I was trying to pull up the backup quarterbacks in the league. Um, and God, it's, it might be slowing my feet down some. So, I'm really sorry about that. If so, please forgive me. But I'm going to where I feel like the real good backup quarterbacks are, right? Andy Dalton is good. I will give you that. Let's talk about it. I actually think Drew Locke being on the Seahawks is good. Um, would, Would I say that's better than Gardner Minshew levels? No. Mike White on the Dolphins might sneakily be the best backup quarterback situation. You get what I'm saying? Like, this is a guy that came in for the Jets, and we saw that he could air it out. Believe it or not, I think Davis Mills still being with the Texans is good. A guy that's been there, knows the organization. Who knew we were going to get into 
uh, backup quarterback talk today. That's why you gotta, you guys gotta love this show. Okay, hear me out here. It's gonna sound crazy. Marcus Mariota with the Eagles. No, not with the way he looked, man. He looks no. What like- what I'm saying, but he's a professional. I think I think I think the Eagles and that coaching staff, if it came to him playing, they would put him in a position to win. He's someone that that has played with AJ Brown, right? Didn't he play with AJ Brown in Tennessee? If I'm not mistaken. So yeah. you see, like I'm saying, it's it's not as bad as you think. Jameis Winston with the Saints is definitely on the list. Uh, Gardner Minshew with the Colts, absolutely. Teddy Bridgewater is sitting on the Lions bench right now in case Jared Goff goes down. Taylor Heineke is with the Falcons, and he needs to be starting. He should be the starter. Why is Jeff Ritter starting? My God. Sam Darnold is with the 49ers. I I mean, I think that was just okay. But number one, this is the number one rank, Andy Dalton with the Panthers. I'm not saying this to be a homer. I think Andy Dalton's the best backup in the NFL, period. Like I can see, I can see him or Minshew. Talent. Those are yeah. those are my two favorites. And just yeah, you know, going absolutely. back with the Ritter thing, J- Jacoby uh, Brissett is sneaky for Washington, though. Let me say that, like, because he's a guy that's been in the backup role, and he's no he he's done it with the Colts, he's done it with the Browns, he's been he with he's done it with the Patriots, been able to come in, keep the ship afloat, keep pushing forward. He knows how to be. He knows how to play his role. Jacoby Brissett with the Commanders is sneaky. Sneaky. Gardner Minshew's won some meaningful football games. He's got 16 oh, career yeah. wins. So yeah. I, I, I'm with you on Dalton, but I think I'm Minshew. Uh, it's close. Those are my two favorite backup quarterbacks in terms of upside to actually come in and win some ball games. And yeah, of course, every, every situation is different, of course. But absolutely. Uh, you know, just tying some DFS and, and some more betting into with some of these games. You mentioned that Minnesota-Chicago game, which, of course, there's a, a lot a lot going on there. What's the line on that game right now? What's up with Justin Jefferson? What? How, how bad is it looking? Do we have any idea as of Monday? You, you know it's going to be tight-lipped there. Nobody's going to talk about what's going on with that situation until they absolutely have to. That's what we're going to ride out all week, I think. Unless oh, he absolutely isn't going, like we're riding it. I'm already prepared to get on the ride it out train with that coaching staff. We may not know until Sunday at ten in the morning from from uh, from either Rappaport or somebody whether he's going to go or not. Now, the only way I think we get an indication is if he just stops practicing. I think they're going to try everything in their in their arsenal to have him on the limited practice schedule. Every day, so nobody has any idea what's going on. You, you get what I'm saying? Because like, if he if he doesn't practice Friday and Saturday, it's like okay, he's probably not going. What, we what need is, him at least on the field. What is the protocol? And I'm sure there's loopholes. What is the bare minimum a player has to do to be listed as limited from a DMP? Is it probably literally lace up, up your run around? <laughs> Catch this ball real quick, you know? Hey, yeah. Hey, Chief, yeah. go deep for one pad. Go deep real quick. Yeah, All right, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll roll you down there in a wheelchair. Just stand up and catch it so people can see you're on the field. <laughs> but th- th- this, this game has such fantasy potential because if he's out suddenly, I mean, the, maybe hopefully it's a, if, if we don't get news until Sunday, hopefully it's like the 1 a.m. 
random injury news update that they've been giving once in a while. For some reason, news, you know, they're you're getting Schefter Rapport tweets at 1 a.m. about players playing or not playing. Usually, sometimes you get like that 5, 6 a.m. update, but the 1 a.m. ones are pretty funny. I was still up watching the, the freaking USC-Arizona game, and I'm like scrolling through Twitter seeing injury updates at 1 o'clock in the morning. But then you're like, oh, wow. Well, then you look at this Kirk Cousin, Jordan Addison stack, or KJ Osborne or Hawkinson. Oh, well, you already know Haw- Hawkinson. Hawkinson, Addison, Osborne, they're all going to be in play. Jefferson flipped this whole slate in terms of player ownership. Yeah. The whole slate. Yeah. Because all the, those Vikings, you know, Hawkinson, Addison will be hovering around 20% probably. KJ Osborne will be at least 10% in GPPs. Uh, and on the flip side. I mean, listen, Osborne, if I'm not mistaken, he was getting just as many targets as Addison yesterday. Like, Ten percent. He's got to be higher than that if it's because look, Justin Jefferson is pretty much taking away thirty percent of the work. Yep. So you got to think they're going to split it between those three. Everybody probably gets an extra two to three targets because Justin Jefferson is getting ten to fifteen targets a game. So if you if you're giving Addison, Osborne, and a Hawkinson four more targets, th- their floor is increased immensely immensely for their prices against the bears <laughs> yeah so, on the road and, and, but look what if the bears shown us the past two weeks they're going to score early if we get the vikings having to like trail in this game and keep pushing the ball yeah. the points are going to be there for the taking and, and on the flip side like a, a less significant injury but the running back position Khalil Herbert out multiple yes. leagues. I'm hoping Rashawn Johnson gets cleared. He got concussed. And then Travis Homer got – all three of the running backs got hurt last week. Unbelievable. So, so, so you know what that means? Justin Fields is going to be on the run. Yep. Design. Like, like, right, you, even, you saw that at the end of the game, in the yep. Washington game. They started doing some more of those called runs. Now, they were trying to run the clock. Don't get me wrong. But he's going to have to run if he doesn't have enough running back play. I've been waiting on Rashawn Johnson, man. I have so many best ball shares. And, and, folks, this guy has been touted on all camp as being their best pass-blocking running back. So if this game's a shootout, and, and I get it. You know what? Deontay Foreman might be active. I don't know if people are going to go there if Rashawn Johnson Listen, also if, plays. If but Deontay's biggest block was pass-blocking in camp. Yeah. But again, if he's active, if Deontay Foreman's active and Rashawn's out, he's gonna crush. Him. Listen to me. I've seen enough Deontay Foreman in Carolina. I've seen enough Deont- Deontay Foreman in Houston. If he gets an opportunity to get 20 touches, he's gonna be a slate breaker. The Period. injury news in this game dictates almost the, the whole landscape of the slate. Yeah, yeah. Sneakily, though, I'm gonna be really heavy on this Raiders. Offense this week sneakily because I don't I don't know if people are going to actually go there even seeing that the Patriots are getting smacked around I think they see Patriots and they don't think about it they think oh Bill Belichick's going to take away your best weapon he can't take away any weapons like Matthew Judon was out like so the Raiders are sneaky for me this week I think even like, the Rams what are people going to do uh, Cooper Cup ninety five percent of the snaps off the bat. Puka Nakua didn't come off the field. They're coexisting. Tutu Atwell had 89% of the snaps. Van Jefferson was the odd man out. The Rams have a competent offense. 
The Rams have absolutely. The yeah, I mean, look, yeah. but I think I think we knew this. Like, so to me, the Rams are that team that's kind of hit the reset button on their offense, and they've taken off. And I don't think people still don't realize. Like, wait a minute, the Rams are actually good. They're actually okay. Well, let's let's say okay. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, but they're not going to get beat up, beat beat up either. They're going to hang in there. And if you give them late in the game down two or three and you're giving Matt Stafford a two-minute drill, you're probably in a, in a position to lose that game. Bottom line. He looks good. If, yeah. if the Rams get hot, they could fight for a wild card in the NFC. Honestly, I think the Rams could make a – I think they make a wild card. I'm, I'm going to give them a wild card this season. They got sure. a shot, you know? Um, yeah. They're, they're gritty. They got good play calling. They got a veteran, a quarterback. Pleasant surprise in Puka Nakua, right? Bonafide, you know, wide receiver too. Like no yeah. doubt, a no doubt wide receiver too. Yeah. And you got his spitting image, Cooper Cup on the well, vice versa. He's yeah. like, and McVeigh is going to scheme this team to score points. Period. They're scored every week. It's just whether or not they're going to win. They're not going to get shut out. Like they're not going to look too bad. Not with Cooper Cup back. Cooper like, Cup looked great. Cooper Cup looked fantastic. Yeah, Cup's back. Puka's there. Tutu Atwell's there. Still got Tyler Higby. Kyron Williams leads the backfield now. They went it finally sit Cam Akers packing. This is a competent offense. Now, they're going to need some more defensive pieces down the stretch, like I'm saying, as if they make it into the next season and the next season. But their offense right now is fine. Will we get an ownership break on Kyron Williams? Probably not, but I like the pieces in this offense. He's 6,500. Look at, look at it on DraftKings. Cooper Cup, 9K. Puka Nakua, 8K. He's he's priced like a big boy now. So we might see a little he sticker shot on Puka. He should be. I mean, look, when a guy's going to get 10-plus targets a game, have seven, eight, nine catches, 80, 90 yards, and, and has some upside to score touchdowns and runs after the catch, like he's got to be in that group. He's earned it so far this season. One, one more game. And then I'll throw it over to you and start closing out if I missed anything that is imminent. Uh, talk, when, when talking about potential good game environments, Cincinnati at, is bringing Seattle into town. Are you believing in, in the, J, the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow revitalization? Because all signs are indicating, I think, that Jamar – why wouldn't he smash again? Why wouldn't Jamar Chase smash again, especially if T. Higgins doesn't play? Well, he probably should. I think the Seahawks are going to bring some pressure on, 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 on Joe Burrow, though. I don't think they're just going to let him sit back there. You know, when I saw the Seahawks play the other night against Daniel Jones, now look, uh, Joe Burrow is much better than Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong. But what I saw from the Seahawks was disguised blitzes, slot blitzes, cornerback blitzes. I think we're going to see something similar from the Seahawks because, once again, I think they know while Joe Burrow may be better, he's still not 100%. You're going to have to prove to us that you can get this ball out or be mobile. And so for me, I think the Seahawks are going to bring a little heat this week and see if Joe Burrow can withstand it. Yeah, I mean, Jamar's probably going to be the, the mega chalk cash game play at that price point, which could open the door for you know Puka to be a tournament option. Or dare I say, what? A, okay, one more. Man, there's always one more. 
This Eagles offense against the Jets, who's going to go there? But who has maybe not a higher upside than Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown together? Well, that, that's where I wanted to close. Because that's I talked true. earlier, I said I wanted to really talk about this A.J. Brown situation. Now, Luch, and I, I meant to have this up before we discussed it, so I'm really sorry. Folks, I am literally pulling up the A.J. Brown game log. And yes, this is simple. You're saying, Chief, you're pulling up simple stuff like the game log? Yes, I'm pulling up the A.J. Brown game log. But it's for a reason. I don't know if you guys remembered, but it was not that long ago. It's week one or two or three. I think it's week two, maybe. Yep, it had to be week two. Luch, A.J. Brown is going on a rant. He had six targets that game. They won the game 34-28. to Don't get me wrong. Uh, had 10 targets week one against the Patriots, 125-20. to uh, Seven catches for 79 yards, respectable. But in week two, he had four catches for 29 yards, only six targets. A.J. Brown's going nuts. He's furious. He's a he's being a prima donna. He's saying, "What you guys have to get me the ball? We have to stop this. Like, I'm the I'm the guy. I'm the number one guy. I need the ball. Throw me the ball. Get me the ball. What are you doing? Get me the ball. Why am I saying it this way? Why am I repeating? He wants the ball. He wanted the ball. He wanted the ball. He wanted the ball. Loose. Since that game, they've won every game. They've won every game this season." But the production, 14 targets, nine catches, 131 yards against Tampa Bay. 13 targets, nine catches, 175 yards and two touchdowns against Washington. And in this game, eight targets, six catches, 127 yards. Uh, longest reception in these games, Luch, 28, 59, 38. What we're seeing from A.J. Brown now is the big playability. And see, that's the thing, Luch. We're talking about being a game changer. A.J. Brown is creating big plays for this offense, averaging 14 yards of catch in week three, 19.4 yards of catch in week four, 21.2 yards per catch in week five. If this is a version of A.J. Brown that we're going to get, He's actually probably better than some of the higher upside guys for the price because of the targets, right? When, when we're playing, when we're playing Chase, we're saying Chase is going to get there on volume alone. Eight, nine, 10 catches, 11 catches, high, high volume stuff. Justin Jefferson is the same thing. High, high volume stuff. What we're seeing from AJ Brown right now is big plays, big plays. So, for me, Luch, I think A.J. Brown has got to be in the category of this upper echelon group of receiver now, right? Because I feel like last season he wasn't quite there. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he wasn't quite in the Tyreek category, the Justin Jefferson category, the Jamar Chase, the Cooper Cup category. I feel like he just kind of wasn't the, the Devontae Adams category. Those guys were kind of in a category of their own. Well, I'm here to tell you, A.J. Brown has shattered the glass. And he is now in that category. 
And if they're not going to give him to us in that 9K range, A.J. Brown at 8K every week is a must play. He's a must play if he's getting this type of volume, these type of opportunities. He's a must play at this point every single week. And now let me say this, Luch, and I'll close it out. I am so glad I have A.J. Brown at 1,050 receiving yards on the season. Just keep racking up the 100-plus yard games, big boy, and I will be done with that one probably by game, by week 9 or 10. Uh, because if I'm not mistaken, okay, no, uh, well, no, maybe not 9 or 10. But right now he's got uh, 35 catches for 550-51 yards in week 5. He's on pace to clear or pretty much clear his season prop by week 10. Incredible, Luch. If he stays on this pace, this is this is fantastic. AJ Brown is bottom line. AJ Brown is now at these levels. If they're going to keep doing this, he's in the upper echelon group of receivers. You know, sometimes you just you need to look at the numbers, reality check here. Everyone is kind of you know, if you're knocking Miami on anything, it's the defense, and rightfully so. Uh, but in terms of yards per game given up by the defense, the Jets ranked 22nd and the Dolphins ranked 23rd in yards uh, per game defensively. So, yeah, I mean, there are paths here. And listen, I don't think people are going to be rushing to play A.J. Brown on this loaded slate against no, the Jets. Against but that's what I'm saying. I will like, tell you, I'll tell you, nobody is going to play Devontae Smith after a couple of duds, but. He was battling some uh, – he was sick. He was, like, actually sick for a while. And you want to talk about a, a, a large field tournament, dart, it's Devonta Smith this week. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. 110%. Let's I guess, I guess just to circle back to one one more real okay. quick one. Can I say one thing? Yeah. One, one more thing? Let's go. Here's why, here's why I really want to talk about A.J. Brown. We've got A.J. Brown priced in the Jalen Waddle, Mike Evans, Amon Ross St. Brown category. He's 7,800. He was 8K this past week. He's getting a bump down because he's facing the Jets. That's insane. Insane. All right, I'm done. Sorry. I'm off the A.J. Brown hype tree. Yeah, I, I, he's also had a, a pretty nice schedule, too. I mean, we talked about how bad Washington was against receivers. He had Minnesota, which, of course, was his uh, give-me-the-damn-ball game. Uh, Tampa Bay is not great on the outside. He had New England week one, who's an abomination. So, And he had the Rams. So uh, the Jets might be one of his tougher matchups. But at this point, I still think on Monday, Jamar is going to be the mega chalk. And A.J. Brown is a great pivot. I, I do. I, yeah. I believe that. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, and just to play full circle here. We talked a lot about Atlanta and their issues and whatever they got going on. And they won. Good for them. They won. They, they won an ugly game. Desmond Ritter still didn't wow anybody. But he got his guys the ball a little bit. And they're playing the Commanders. So, you know, two teams that are like teetering around that 500 mark. They kind of feel like they're fake good. But if you go back to, you know, the receivers just smashing offenses, Drake London still sub 5K. And I know he had a couple of duds uh, a couple of weeks ago. But he's been respectable. He uh, He's had at least 11.8 DraftKings points in three out of the five weeks now. Uh, nine, 16 targets the last two weeks combined. Uh, you can't really ask for more than that. And 
Yeah, if Washington's starting these young corners, you know, maybe we finally see a 20-point Drake London game. It's not my favorite, but I feel like I finally have a grasp on, on some of these things. And one thing I know for sure is the Washington secondary is terrible. Now, it still comes down to Drake London and catchable targets from Desmond Ritter. But he should win uh, on the outside against Washington. That's the last guy I wanted to mention. You got anything else, or do you want to jump into story time, and we'll head out of here? Um, story time. Story time. Why? Um, so, so I want to talk about this. because Listen, all my story times for the next few weeks are going to be leading up to my wedding to uh, the most beautiful, amazing, sensational woman in the world. And so she had her bridal shower this past weekend. It was a surprise. And uh, it supposedly it supposedly went off really well. I wasn't there for most of it. They did want me to come by, bring her some flowers, say a few words, and I did that. But one of the things that I want to talk about is they said that she was a big ball of tears at her bridal shower. And I know you guys don't like know her, but she's not really like a crier like that. But, you know, she told me some stories some people shared and, I mean, they said it was like a super emotional time, but it was a surprise. She had no clue. She thought she was going out to lunch with one of her friends and they showed up at the venue and she was just so excited and so happy. And so uh, what I will share with you guys is something I was I was watching like a video on marriage and stuff like that. Uh, and one of the things that this pastor ended up saying was he said, hey, you know, don't ever rob your spouse uh, of the blessing of doing something nice for them. And the 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 the, uh, the crux of this was how often do you think about doing something nice for someone or your significant other, and then you don't do it. So it's just an idea. It never like comes to fruition. You say, oh, you know, maybe I'll take her her favorite chocolates to work, but you never act on it, right? And so the reason why I'm sharing this for story time is because this doesn't just apply to like marriage or you know, anything like that. It applies to just humanity in general. Like if you think about doing something nice, don't rob the person or that organization of the blessing of you doing something nice for them. Like don't let it just be an idea. If you want to go to the local food bank and help out, just make arrangements and go do it. Right. If you want to, you know, work in a soup kitchen, you want to give back your community. Don't sit on that idea. Somebody needs that help. Somebody needs that blessing. Just don't let it be an idea. Get out there, act on it, be a good person in the community. That's my story time for this week. That, that was really that was really well said. That was pretty much spot on. Um, that brought me back to a memory. 2015, uh, I was in where uh, I was at a wedding rehearsal. I was in the wedding party, um, and uh, one of my longtime friends was getting married. The, uh, the writing rehearsal was the night of the NFL draft. And he, I'm a Tennessee Titans fan. We're in Pennsylvania. He's probably one of like five other Tennessee Titans fans I've ever met in this, the great state of Pennsylvania. So we're like walking through this wedding rehearsal, but we're streaming the draft on our phone because it was the Mariota draft. And we were like, we're not missing Mar Marcus Mariota going to Tennessee Titans at the time. Um, long story short, they're divorced now, but you know, it doesn't always work out. Maybe don't stream the NFL draft at your wedding rehearsal, or if you are, maybe be a little more discreet about it. 
I guess I guess that's all I have for you. So yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I would have streamed the draft again if I had the choice. We we made the right call, Marcus Marietta, Oregon. Anyway, I guess that's it. You know, I, I was going to talk about you know showdown, but we covered a lot of ground. I, I think in showdown. You know, don't be just when you're telling the, the the story of your lineup is again just don't be afraid to to be yourself and follow your conviction. And you know, fraction of a point such a big difference, and there's so much variance in showdown. Looking back to the 49ers Dallas game yesterday, Kyle Uzcheck, you game log hunting, hasn't done anything, hasn't been involved. It's showdown. Historically, you know he has done things in offenses. It wasn't out of the realm, uh, and he was a winner. So, uh, I, you know, you mentioned, and just going, coming full circle here, you mentioned the week-to-week stuff. The NFL is insane. You know, we yeah. talked about the Vegas favorites are about 500 this year. So uh, Vegas doesn't – Vegas knows, but it's still as volatile as ever. So, so, so know, I'm sorry. You go ahead. You, you finish. You finish. I'm so no, sorry. No, Justin, you have conviction – and you're confident uh, there are plenty of smart people in this industry, plenty of people that are good at what they do, including us, uh, you know, the, the brilliant people at Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds and, and other platforms, too. Uh, but, you know, don't get sucked into groupthink. It's great to kind of hear great discussion, but not get sucked into it. You know, if you're confident in what you're doing, getting sucked into groupthink, uh, you know, is, is tough especially when there are so many brilliant people in this industry. So stick to your guns, man. And, you know, uh, hear people, but don't always listen to them. Is kind of what I go by. Yeah. And I, I think what I was going to add was on the flip side of that, looking at the glass in a slightly different way. If you've been, if you've been on dogs, you've been making a lot of money. Like that's, that's the other half of this thing. Like yeah. getting some of these dogs at plus money has been, amazing so you know don't don't be afraid to to, to pull the trigger I, I missed on mine this week i took the texans they didn't win but uh i i also took the jets who did win this game so you know don't don't be afraid don't be afraid do you have any lock of the betting week before before we head out of here um well early, I, early lock, I guess it would be an early, early lock. Let, let's go early, early. Let's see here. Uh, I think for me, and let's see if I can go. I'm gonna see if I can go see if we got anything at plus money that I want to attack first. Uh, let, let's since we're on that subject, let's see if we've got anything at, at plus money, maybe that I'll take your plus money pick. Right now, let me get my pencil ready. Um, I'm trying to see what we have. Okay, okay, let's go here. This isn't quite plus money, but I think it's too much. I think it's too much. We've got the Cardinals at the Rams. Cardinals plus six and a half, minus 110. Okay. I, oh, that's on points bet. That that feels that feels like a good one for me. Let's let's Starting roll with that one. Starting the, the notes for the week. Sometimes I go handwritten, so I always go back to to what I started looking at uh, at the beginning of the week. So I like that call. I like the call a lot. Yeah. That's the Chief Will Priester, Chief Justice 06. I am the Luch. We hope you liked our podcast this week. We'll be back next week. Enjoy everybody and good luck. <laughs>